Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of Pigskins and Nylon. Kind of got a special one for you today. Hayden, Casey, and I got to watch the game together up in Northwest Ohio. We're actually sitting right now in Hayden's house. Let's go. It's honestly as excited I think as we've ever been for college football. We've talked about that. Yesterday, I can't remember a better Saturday. Oh, dude. That was awesome. I had so much fun. It felt like it flew by, though. It oh, really did. Once it got toward the end of the night, it was like, holy crap. I think it it kind of hit me like like around like 6 o'clock, like those 3.30 games were kind of getting to the end. I'm like, shit, this day, is, this day actually is almost, like we're almost done, yeah. and it went by so fast. It's almost like, you know, when you were a kid on Christmas, and like come about 5 o'clock at night, you've already opened your gifts, and then you're just like, oh no, Christmas is almost over. And then you get sad for that, but at least for us, we have Christmas again next week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not to mention, we're recording this, what, Notre Dame plays at 7.30 tonight? Yeah, only and, a seven-point favorite. Yeah, exactly, and then Monday, I don't, do you remember who it is off yeah, the top of your head? Bill and uh, Ole Miss. So there you yeah, go, you get no five Lane good Kiffin. days. Oh yeah, yeah, no Lane Kiffin for that. He has COVID. I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah he has COVID. They interviewed him, too, on game day. They were like, Lane Kiffin out, and then five minutes later, they had him... On game day, kind of um, game day. Wow, I guess it makes sense. He could probably do it remotely from home yeah. or whatever, but well, I did not see that. Yeah, but we just figured this is going to be an easy episode, too, for everybody because we're not going to do kind of our normal thing. We're just going to do game recaps, and that way our normal show will be coming out at its normal time. We'll do our previews. If we decide to do an SCHW, that stuff will happen then. But for today, I figure just we'll start off real quick with that Nebraska-Fordham game. We'll usually go in order, but... Really hard to go in order when the Nebraska Fordham game's out there. What they won the game fifty-two to seven. Score I feel like might have been a little misleading too. What we saw early in that game, early and often, what it was. It was twenty-four to seven at halftime. <laughs> I actually, we I showed you guys a tweet by Fake Bo Bo Pelini where it said something along the lines of, "Oh, I think Fordham's linebackers can be exploited today." <laughs> and then a minute later, a minute later, he tweeted again. I think everybody on Fordham can be exploited today. And for the first half, it really didn't seem like that. I mean, only up 17. And when one when of the plays. 42 point or 41 point favorite. like. And I think the first score for Nebraska, and it was still 0-0 with like four minutes left in the first, Adrian Martinez scored a fourth and four. So like, who knows if that happens? You know how that Memorial Stadium is going to all of a sudden be like, don't let this be close. Like, don't let us be in a joke back-to-back weeks to the country. So luckily for them, they were able to get it done. But I, I don't know. Like, this is one of those, we talk about it again, how there was no winning coming out of this for Nebraska. All this was was it feels like a Band-Aid waiting until that Buffalo game. Because we'll talk more about that in a few days. But yeah, my gosh, if they lose to Buffalo and then they lose to Oklahoma, who also looked rough yesterday, then all of a sudden, Scott Frost, does he come back to Lincoln? Does he get on the plane? Yeah, it's definitely not looking pretty. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, it, um, I'm pretty sure Buffalo put up like 69 points, didn't they? Did they play yesterday? They boat raced somebody. I don't remember who they played. Good to take a look at the max schedule here. While he's doing that, I just have to point out, I wish that you guys could have seen. We had a sheet of paper that Casey and Hayden and them had made up uh-huh. in the morning where it was basically the nuclear bomb codes 
where every TV had a specific purpose, a laptop, an iPad, for every minute of the day. We, we gotta put that on the on the Twitter. We'll have to put that picture we gotta, we gotta out. Gotta find it if it's if it's still salvageable. That <laughs> it might be destroyed after yesterday. Yeah, that, what what a couple of adult pop spills and then just a day. Just a few. <laughs> but. Oh, I already forgot what we were even saying just now. That's how spacey yeah, oh, I'm. Yeah, it's just Nebraska. No, oh, it's no just one, Nebraska. No yeah. Cares. Sorry. Talking Nebraska. about Buffalo, they put sixty nine points on Wagner. Yeah, Wagner. <laughs> he means Wagner. No, on, on the, I was going to say on this Big Ten podcast, it's Wagner. <laughs> I mean, did you guys have anything that you really want to what tackle here? I mean, I don't feel like you learn a lot about either. I'm obviously not for them, but you don't learn a lot about Nebraska here. Yeah, no, well, I completely agree. While he was asking, I was shaking my head for a minute straight while he was asking me. No, I don't want to talk about Nebraska anymore. But anyways, we'll, we'll jump right into, I guess, a game that we actually want to talk about. You guys know what Hayden and I are diehard Buckeye fans. Casey's been watching him for a long time now. I know he roots for him a little bit. But they played on Thursday night in Minneapolis. Minnesota, bad weather. Kind of gave Ohio State a scare there for a little while. Hayden and I, we were watching that together. The temperature in this room felt like it dropped about 15 degrees once Minnesota took the lead in the second quarter. Yeah, there's we had a little bit, a little bit of uh, some anxiety going on. <laughs> I, I, neither one of us ever felt like we were going to lose the game though. So no, none, neither neither one of us were like pushing the panic button, no shit button, like oh god, they're going to lose the opener. I just think it was nice that they got a test in the first game. I think that is going to pay big dividends for them in the future, really. The game played out exactly how we kind of thought it would. We thought Minnesota would come out hot. They had a big crowd, which they really didn't even come out hot. It was that big fourth down play. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we're going to talk about, but yeah, I mean, I figured they would hang around and make it a, a close game. That call, let's talk about that for a second, too, because I know Hayden's not a P.J. Fleck guy. And Casey, I don't know how you really feel about him. You can't deny the guy gets his team up to play in these kind of games. And that call on fourth and one on his own 29-yard line. If they don't, if they don't, yeah, if, they, if Minnesota doesn't get that, like, I'm almost ready to call ball game right there. Because it was ten, it was 10 nothing. You're giving Ohio State the ball back at their own, well, I forget, I don't even, the 30-yard line? Yeah, 29 right yeah, there. Yeah, like. Ohio State's going to score a touchdown, and you're not going to come back down three scores. It would have been ironic to row the boat because it was going to be a boat race. If they if they do not get it there, Ohio State, I think, runs the score up a little bit. They, you would have felt, I guess, that energy leave the stadium, leave the team. Yeah. Yeah. But it, the exact opposite happens. Mohamed Ibrahim, great game, by the way. Another back that I feel like if you're not a Big Ten fan, you didn't know a lot about this guy going in. And it's a shame, too. We haven't heard yet the official word on the injury. We're hoping it's not as serious as it looks, but I finally, at least for his sake, the country got to see that he is a special talent there. And it, I mean, it's a shame too, because I feel like Minnesota's season, I feel like got derailed even before it gets started. Yeah. You saw the fall off. As oh, soon as yeah. he gets hurt, the running game I, disappeared. I, I think I told you the other day that with him not playing, they could lose two extra games because of that. Like he could make a, a decent difference in their season. Yeah. Well, it's one of those situations, too, you, that as a Buckeye fan, you get frustrated watching naturally because now later in the year when Minnesota's record's not going to reflect when, what when it could have been. When they finish 5-7 and, and everybody's like, oh, well, they played Ohio State tough. Exactly. You know, that's a, that's a, he was the difference. Yeah. It's almost that reverse. You know what bothers me about the playoff, and I guess we haven't had a chance to talk about this yet. I hate so much when a team beats 
like let's say Alabama at the end of this year, they'll have a number 14 Miami team as a win on their schedule, yeah. even if Miami loses every game the rest of the year. Right. And that always bothers me because for some reason, I guess the public perception will change too, though, because Minnesota at the end of the year might be 5-7, and seven, and then all of a sudden you're looking back and be like, oh, wow, Buckeyes really struggled with that 5-7 and seven team. All right, yeah. All in all, I mean, the Gophers played a hell of a game. I feel like they definitely answered the bell coming out too in the second half and we're up four, I want to say, with four or five minutes left in the third. Yeah, and give credit to Minnesota's offensive line. They were opening up some lanes. Obviously, Ibrahim was a huge factor just because of how good he is. But that's probably going to be the best offensive line Ohio State's going to see until, I would say, until they play. Well, who knows how that's going to work out with Wisconsin. But that could be you know, the best offensive line they play until a potential either Big Ten championship or playoff game. I was bummed out, too. Last night, Casey and I stayed up till like, 3.30 in the morning talk about every possible thing under the sun. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we talked about was with about, I would say, six, seven minutes left in the third, Minnesota had already retaken the lead to go up 21-17. to 17. Felt like they had a little bit of momentum. And then they got an unsportsmanlike penalty after play. All of a sudden made it, what, second and 25 they obviously stalled that drive. Ohio State gets the ball back, take the lead, and never look back. It's a shame because the offensive line did play so well all game, but then that little mistake, maybe a little bit too much energy and excitement going on in the game, What I guess the discipline disappeared for a minute. Yeah, so they got the unsportsmanlike, and then the next play, I'm pretty sure Tanner Morgan ran for like 12 yards, but then I got a holding call, so it was like second and 33 or something like that. I mean, against an Ohio State team, that's not going to be an easy, easy... Against any team. Really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah. Thinking like that, but... Yeah, that's a drive killer. That was a momentum killer, because then after that, Ohio State, you know, took the lead and got it to... <laughs> Did you see that on this? <laughs> we have impractical jokers on right behind us, so bear with us if we start spacing out for a second. a big ass crack on the screen <laughs> while I was talking we're like eight years old. It's okay. But one of the things talking about this Ohio State game was we talked about how the adversity that they face could be huge. But particularly looking at the Ohio State's quarterback was kind of a question mark coming in because he's never thrown a pass before. And after that first half, people on the, the Twitter world and the <laughs> online world were ready for Quinn Evers to come in and replace him. Um, he travel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were, they were going to put him on a plane at halftime <laughs> and get him there. But it was really nice to see him bounce back from that tough start. And you can't blame him. I mean, it was a night game on the road, Big Ten game. It was raining. First game he's ever started. Those aren't really excuses. But he had a, a tough first half. And I think it shows a lot maybe about him to his mental awareness to bounce back from that in the second half. I'm sure you were also dealing with it too with Twitter and all that, but I was getting so frustrated because my phone was blowing up and a lot of my buddies, Ohio State fans even, are just hammering the panic button. Like, DEFCON level, like, five. And I'm like, guys, we got to take a deep breath here. Like you said, this kid's never thrown a ball before. And we're just such a spoiled fan base when you think about it. We just go from Dwayne Haskins to Justin Fields and we expect that basically level to just be maintained immediately when a player comes in. 
and that's just not sustainable. And it's, I mean, who knows? This kid could get to that level, but it's not fair to put that expectation on him, especially this early in to a year. I, I'm a little bummed out with the cave on Thibodeau injury. Hopefully he does play next week. Yeah. Because if he doesn't, I wanted to see that test, not only to the offensive line, but to have Stroud have a little bit of worry in the back of his head. And now maybe that's not there. And you got to see without Thibodeau how average the Oregon Ducks looked yesterday. But, again, I guess we'll talk more about that later. Now, there's only one more thing I want to ask, and the only reason I bring it up now, because it was a running trend, I felt like, all week. The targeting calls that we are seeing and not seeing, there is absolutely no consistency whatsoever. And I feel like there's a level now of subjectivity to it, which that's good, that's bad at the same time, because you do want kids that had no intent not to get thrown out. But at the same time, in the Michigan game, I wanted, I can't remember what player it was. It looked like a clear and obvious target. Oh, yeah, when the quarterback slid. Yeah, and it was not even yeah. reviewed. Yeah. I, yeah, that was a Michigan so, game. Something needs to happen. I mean, well, how do you it, fix it? it? It's, it's too late. It's too late. This, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're in, but like, how do you fix it in the future? I don't know. I, I think I would like to see something. Uh, I think Casey said something along like the flagrant one, flagrant yeah. two for basketball. Something yeah. like that where. Yeah, if you have a, a level two targeting call, yeah, you're getting ejected. But for the level ones where it's not their intent to kill somebody, it's just don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's, more or less, it's kind of like soccer. It's like getting a yellow card. Yeah. The first time, maybe it wasn't that extreme. Hey, we're going to give you that warning, so to speak. You get it again. You get the red card. You're out of there. Yeah. There needs to be some kind of level two. Because, I mean, in that, talking about the Ohio State and the reason I wrote it down for this section, you saw two calls in that game, two targets. Very different, but for whatever reason, you didn't get the consistency again where, like, Taraja Mitchell in the first drive looked like the most routine football play ever. And if that is a play that gets a kid thrown out, I mean, college football is broken. Yeah. You know? If on the, oh, one later in the game, I can't remember, it was on the last drive, it was the big hit. Lathan Ransom. That's right, Lathan Ransom. I just, I just rewatched the end of that game, and Joel Klatt was... What am I trying to say here? He was like standing on the table, understanding how in the <laughs> hell that was not a targeting. And then Gus Johnson, he's just like, well, it was just football. They were just playing football. But yeah, I thought the I I just feel like that that call they didn't want to throw the targeting because they were looking. They were just looking at it like, all right, this kid did he did he try to kill him? No, didn't necessarily. Strike him with his helmet, but he would he hit him high. He was defenseless, and I just think they were weighing like, does this kid deserve to miss a, a half against the you know in the biggest game of the year? Which is why I do also agree that we should have a flagrant one, flagrant two kind of thing because I think the intent of the rule is is fine, player safety, all that good jazz, but I just think it's gotten out of hand. You brought up the idea of the, having the biggest game right after. If they're playing Akron next week, do we see that call stand on yeah. the, or be called to targeting instead? And the fact that that's even a question is a problem because you need to have, I guess, that consistency. There needs to be at least something to fix it because right now I don't feel like anybody knows. Yeah, I, I, I think one potential problem of having the flagger one and flagger two is then you're putting it into official discretion on what the intent was. But are they but, not doing but, that right now? Yeah, but we're yeah, and that was my exact next yeah. point is we're already d- 
doing that with the calls versus no call. You know what I mean? Like, well, if we're getting about a flag the thrown or the not thrown. The Denzel Ward hit against Maryland like three or four years ago. It was, you blew him up. And the game was over, don't get me wrong. And he just missed the rest of that game. But that was just, it was clearly an obvious just football play. And to get thrown out, I mean, you feel bad for some of these guys, especially in the bowl games. It always pisses me off yeah. when you see Joey a targeting Rosa. call. Yeah, and that's the end of his career. That's just frustrating, and I, there needs to be some avenue, level of fix it. We'll, I guess, address that more because you know we're going to have those targeting penalties throughout the year that are going to piss oh. us off. Oh, yeah. But, Unfortunately. Yeah. But we'll go now to your former Michigan Wolverine team and the Ohio State Buckeyes rival. They played Western Michigan at home the other day. 47 to 14. 47-14. It was one of those scores where, if you just look at that, you don't see the potential, I guess, early struggles for what Michigan had yesterday. Beyond that opening drive, there was, what, two or three drives in a row where it felt like Michigan kind of was just kind of missing a beat on offense, and the Broncos hung around a little bit, and had they, what, I think capitalized on a drive in Michigan field goal range, it might have been 10-10, to and we might be at least looking at a situation where Michigan fans have to at least be anxious for a little longer. Instead, Ronnie Bell, he had a great first quarter before, unfortunately, again, we saw another brutal injury yesterday. Yeah. And Michigan, at some point... They, he had that ridiculous catch on the sideline. What a joke the OPI it, it, was. It didn't count yeah. because of the penalty, but that, like, it, he literally stuck his hand out and it just stuck in his hand. I mean, that was so pissed. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't. Even, I thought it'd be one of those things you do see on SportsCenter Top Ten, even though there was the OPI because it was that absurd. Yeah. But he's another situation where a guy that looks like he might have been taking that next step this year, and it really is a shame that we're going to potentially lose him for a good chunk of the year, yeah, if not the not, year. That did not look good. That injury. Well, like watching that game though, what were your thoughts about? I guess the Michigan offense first of all. They did eventually go to J.J. McCarthy, too, in the second half. I'm sure we'll get to that. Yeah. But what were your thoughts first, Casey, on, I guess, the Michigan O? I mean, offensively, I think they did exactly what they needed to do to win by 33 points, I guess. But we were talking before. I think they had a, a good opportunity to get some better game situations in with both the quarterbacks, really. And I don't think they took advantage of it. So, obviously, kind of disappointed in that perspective, I feel like they were too focused on beating beating the brakes off of a bad Western Michigan team rather than improving the team, you know, overall because now they have to figure out who the heck's going to be their first receiver. Ronnie Bell being out for, I would assume, a decent period of time. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they ran, ran the ball for 335 yards. That's a lot of yards, but if Michigan can't do that against Western Michigan, then... They've got bigger issues, I guess. Feed my man Blake Corum. Just feed him all yeah, day. He, feed him. I mean, he looked good. He's definitely the fastest of the backs. Almost eight yards a pop. Yeah. 111 yards. Not, not a bad day for him, really. I mean, I was actually impressed with him. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, there were a lot of things I feel like you could look at and have that encouraged feeling. And yeah, now- there, were, there were some, op- you know, there should be some optimism, I think, Especially looking back from last year, you can definitely tell that there has been some improvement. No, and I think a lot of Michigan teams in the past few years, had they struggled like that against Western Michigan early, we might have let them fester that throughout the game, and all of a sudden you'd be looking back at like a 37-24 kind of game that Michigan's not feeling the best about. But instead, even after that Ronnie Bellinger, I was sitting here thinking, 
I don't know if this offense is going to really be able to do that much. And I know that they didn't get as much of the in-game, what, I guess, uh, practice and know those kind of reps in certain situations to help these quarterbacks. Yeah. But it was at least encouraging to see the offense move the ball well and, I guess, still without the – or in the absence of Ronnie Bell. Yeah. I mean, overall, I thought they played fine, and Michigan definitely has had games in previous years where they would looked a lot worse against bad competition. But, I mean, overall, I don't think it was a terrible game by any means. It was a bummer, though, for Michigan. Almost what happened to Ohio State with the Oregon-Fresno State game. Washington losing to Montana last night. That doesn't do any favors to Michigan fans. Not like it really going to necessarily change what, I guess, the perception going into the game will be too much. But, I mean, that's going to be a Washington team now that just got embarrassed at home on, I guess it was on Pac-12 Network. But everybody saw what happened. Now they're going to the big house. They're going to be expected to lose. And it's the worst place to be if you're Michigan because that was going to be what perceived as a top 20 matchup going into the year. And now all of a sudden it's, oh, it's just Michigan and Washington. Yeah. Yeah, that does suck. You really just can't win either way. If you beat Washington, then you're beating – oh, but, I mean, they just lost to Montana. If you lose, <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing. You just lost to a bad Washington team at home at night. It just feels like a typical Michigan game that they're going to they're gonna lose now. Ooh, was that your prediction? I don't know yet. I was going to say we'll get into it later. <laughs> well, plus we'll have to figure out who is actually up in units. Casey now is leading in our picks now. Oh, I had a great day. Yeah, he rocked ten and, what twelve and seven yesterday. Where I think I went nine eleven. I think Hayden went seven and twelve. We'll check in on the units once we get back for the next show. But what do you guys say? We can move over to that. What was supposed to be our marquee noon matchup, the Big Twelve or Big Twelve, the Big Noon matchup in Penn State going up to Camp Randall. And wow, was Wisconsin a disappointment? Graham Mertz, I, I you don't want to dog on these kids. They're college kids, but I feel like the the bar has to be raised at some point, right? I mean, yeah. I, I keep making excuses for this kid, and yesterday at some point you just got to say maybe this this kid isn't it. Well, he ain't <laughs> it. Yeah, we we've talked about it all off season about what Wisconsin needs to raise raise their ceiling, and it was for Graham Mertz to take that next step and be what Wisconsin quarterbacks haven't been in the past, or at least since Russell Wilson didn't look like he did that yesterday at all. And you know, turning the ball over, he turned it over twice, throwing two picks and. Did he also, they fumbled in the red zone, and I don't know if that was an exchange between the center and him that kinda, I mean, he dropped, I yeah. want to say, several snaps, too. Yeah, it was it was not a good day for him. Especially in the big moments, too. These yeah. aren't, like, necessarily just in the first quarter. These and, like, are, and that's the thing is, it, it, he changed one thing about yesterday that the last two drives they had, he, they both ended with picks. He could have flipped the entire script of how we're talking about him with one drive there. Yep. And unfortunately for Badger fans, he didn't. And fortunately for Penn State fans, they're happy today because that's a huge win, you know, to start the season for them. And especially after last year with how it started. And, they, you know, they did a little – they got a little warm at the end. But to build on that, Penn State is back. I don't think they're going to beat Ohio State, but they can challenge Ohio State, I think, in the East. 
What were you thinking when you watched that game, Casey? I know you got to celebrate three feet for me throughout the, what, fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. That was, first off, that was a old-school Big Ten game, 16-10. to 10. That's a great score. <laughs> nice. Um, I mean, I thought, I was a little concerned when <laughs> Penn State missed that extra point. Felt like it would be another typical James Franklin choke job. But, yeah, I was jacked when Penn State won. Really, for both quarterbacks, to your point, Hayden, we are talking all offseason about they both need to take a big step forward mm-hmm. if their teams are going to be able to challenge Ohio State. And, I mean, Clifford Clifford played all right. He took care of the ball. And he was only 18 of 33. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean that was, that's okay, but yeah. it's not it's great. You know, above 50%. But didn't turn the ball over. That That's the big key. Especially in the red zone. Well, and I think the difference, though, you can also look at is that we're talking about both these quarterbacks had, I guess, that narrative of can they take the next step? Can they elevate their team? And at halftime, both quarterbacks were in a position where they had not looked good. 0-0 at half. The Penn State offense had 43 yards and one first down. Sean Clifford does come out, though. And, yeah, he, he still missed a couple throws, but he also hit some big throws. And you couldn't say that about Graham Mertz. And he did that on the road in what looked like a very – hostile, fun Camp Randall yesterday. I'm disappointed in what this means probably for the Wisconsin season, but if I am a Penn State fan, that second half should be very encouraging. I mean, that's not easy to play that poorly in the first half and just turn it on like they seem to do. Yeah. Did you guys see the time of possession? No, I haven't seen it yet. Wisconsin had the ball for 43 minutes. Oh, my. Well, look, I mean, that's another thing we haven't even mentioned yet. They've had the ball three times inside the 10 in goal-to-go situations and came away with no points. Yeah. You can't beat, I mean, mid-level FBS teams like that. There's no way you're going to beat a Penn State team by getting a what effectively was an extra point blocked, throwing a pick when you had the ball first and go up to one, and then you fumble a snap, recover it, and three plays later you have to force one. And I can't remember the other one. What was it? A fumble inside the five, I want to say, in the second quarter. Just unbelievable and I mean, it's just not something we're accustomed to seeing out of a Paul Christ coached team. Penn State averaged 2.8 yards a rush and still won the game. I, that's, yeah, like, I, that's like mind-boggling <laughs> to me. 2.8 yards a rush. Yeah, that's not great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know what to say other than that. That's not, that's not ideal. Yeah, but uh, that was what it did turn into is what was a very ugly game was a very now – comforting win for Penn State. Oh, if you yeah. can win a game like that, especially on the road in a Big Ten, to open the year, too. I mean, this is still kind of new to all of us, seeing these conference games in the first week of the season. Yeah. I didn't like it at first, but I kind of really liked it. Yeah. I, I don't know about you guys. Um, And Penn State still has a few tough games, like, in the near future. They, they still have that out-of-conference game with Auburn. They get Indiana at home, but we saw how Indiana looks, so who knows about that. They got to go to Iowa. And then, of course, Halloween, the day before Halloween, the game in Columbus. They have some games that we're, we're still going to find out, and I'm assuming uh, when they play Auburn here in a couple weeks, we'll find out even more about Penn State. And Auburn, I don't know, is anything special, but it's still a quality opponent. Well, and, um, I know it's Akron, but for what it's worth, they did look really good yesterday. And that's worth at least noting that they will be coming in. It's not like the... Who? Yeah, what? Well, thought, they play Ball State next week. I was talking about Auburn. Oh. I think you said Akron. 
Auburn played Akron, didn't they? I don't know. I think Auburn beat Akron by about 85 points, it felt like. Oh, yeah, they did. 60 to 10. You're See, this right. is what happens on Sunday morning. We're all out of whack right now. Guys. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so so bear with us there. I do want to flip to the Temple Rutgers game because we did get to have the opportunity to watch. Rutgers. <laughs> we did Unreal. have a chance to watch that. And Rutgers, I mean, they only had, what, 135 yards in the first half, but that defense was opportunistic to say the least yesterday. I can't remember. What was the, um, who got hurt for Temple yesterday? In that moment on, the game Mathis, was over. Dewan, yeah, Dewan Mathis, when yeah. he got hurt, the game ended. Yeah. And it was what? I want to say something like 27-14, and then all of a sudden you blink at 61. Dewan yeah. Mathis yesterday was 8 for 25. Okay. Well, oh, Lord. And that should tell you, too, how poorly the backup played. Yeah, and brutal. Uh, for some reason, I was convinced that Temple plus 14 and a half was, like, the easiest it game. It felt like today. a lock. They got absolutely destroyed. I mean, that I had no chance to win that bet. That was that was a horrible bet by me. Hey, well, at least you have comfort in knowing all of us took that bet. Because it was just, we thought it was yeah. a comfortable bet. Yeah. The sad thing is I put actual real money on it, too, though. <laughs> I had the double whammy. I loved also, do you want to talk about how we had, at the same time as that Penn State-Wisconsin game, the Big Ten was Big Tenning so hard at the start of this day. Where it was 5 nothing, what, midway through the first in a yeah. Rutgers-Temple game? Mm-hmm. And at that point, Wisconsin and, and Penn State have probably been trading punts for like that seven lost. series. Just, yeah. it was just a great day to start. I don't know what it was. It just feels really, like football's back when you see a 5 nothing on Big <laughs> Ten Network game. I'm like, this really is September. All in all, I mean, you got to give Rutgers credit. Yeah, they didn't look necessarily great on offense, but that is a... A, a game that I think a lot of people expected Temple to hang around, potentially even give Rutgers fits at the end. Yeah. And Rutgers didn't let it happen. Rutgers next week has a pretty decent out-of-conference opponent. They play Syracuse next year, or next week. And Syracuse, I mean, isn't good, but they're still a Power 5 school. I mean, they shocked Clemson a few years ago. Every now and then you get a Syracuse team that can do something like that. Yeah, so I, I think that'll be an interesting game. I'll be... I'll be interested to see what the line for that comes out to be, but looking forward to their first Big Ten game. Rutgers plays at Michigan. Wow. First Big Ten game. Fighting Greg Sudano. If, if Rutgers is 3-0 and going to that, that could be interesting. That could be a very... Well, yeah, Rutgers is running the table. So <laughs> Yeah. No, oh, this is going to hurt, though, because I was really what, attached my saddle to the Wisconsin Badgers this year. It didn't work out for me. But someone else on this podcast attached their saddles to another Big Ten West team. Casey's Iowa Hawkeyes right now. I mean, can you talk about it? It was the most impressive Big Ten performance of the week. And I don't even think it's close. They dominated Indiana literally from start to finish. They were up 14-0 before we're three minutes into the game. And I don't think there was ever even a moment that you thought Indiana had a chance after that. Oh, no. 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 Not even a little bit, man. My Hawkeyes looked great. They really did, and... Is this going to be an Iowa team that we could potentially be talking about 12-0 going into Indianapolis now? Oh, I'm not going to go ahead and say that. I'm not going <laughs> to. You want to, though. I'm pretty sure I did say it. You did, but it was like a joke. We were like, ah, now we're saying stupid stuff, which proved that I was dumb, too. pretty good now, though. I mean, shoot. <laughs> but, I mean, they still did only have 300, 300 yards of offense, though. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, I guess um, for how good they looked. Well, they, they had scored, two pick they had sixes. Two pick sixes. So you take fourteen points off the board. Their offense only scored twenty points. 
that will be enough for Iowa to win some games because I think Iowa's defense is pretty good. But when you start playing better teams, you gotta got to be a little bit more productive on the offensive side. You know how it was like 2005-ish like area where the Big Ten really started getting exposed for speed? And we heard about it all the time. And Iowa, I don't feel like ever shook that, I guess, stigma and reputation as being a slow team. Yeah. This isn't your 2005 Iowa Hawkeyes right now. I mean, that Indiana offense gave everybody fits last year until obviously Michael Penix's injury in that, I can't remember what game that was now. But at that point, they... Wisconsin, wasn't it? It might have been. But either way, from that point on, or before that point, Indiana had scored on everybody. This was a very similar-looking offense. At least we talked about it. It looked like they were still stretching the field vertically, trying their best. And Iowa answered the bell, and then some, what, 14 defensive points. They held Indiana. I wanted, I mean, oh, gosh, I had it up just a second ago. But they, just from start to finish, I guess, gave Penix Jr. fits. He turned it over, I want to say, at least three times. He had three picks, and I can't remember if he had a fumble or not. I was at the point where I thought they might have to pull Penix Jr. in the third quarter to protect the guy. Oh, good Lord. Because of how poor he I don't want to ruin the kid's confidence as soon as he gets right back in the game. Well, and that's kind of one of the points I wanted to bring up was, is this how good Iowa was, or was this maybe... Michael Penix wasn't isn't back from injury yet, or a combination of both, or I don't know. Iowa looked really good. They, that was impressive, but I don't know if it was more of a Penix or an Indiana problem, or more of a good thing for Iowa. I think it was a little bit of both, to be honest with you. I mean, obviously Penix did not play very well, but Iowa's offense didn't really show me anything that makes me. Think that they could, you know, even compete with a, a an Ohio State. I don't think that they showed any signs of being able to score with them. But I mean, defensively, if you can force turnovers and obviously turn those into points, you're gonna can beat anybody, really. Preview of Iowa Ohio State Big Ten Championship game. How many offensive points is Iowa gonna have to score to win that game? Thirty five. They're gonna have to score thirty five points to win. I would probably, man. I, I don't know if they. I don't know if that's realistic, unless I, I, they can get a a, de- a defensive score or two. I kind of am in that range too. It's got to at least be in the thirties. The only thing you could hope for is that Iowa's defense is able to produce a couple turnovers and set that offense up. Yeah. But I mean, and we have for the record, Ohio State hasn't looked good in their last two Big Ten championship games. They've won them both, but in the first half of both. I mean, they haven't looked good, but they've won both by double digits. It's crazy, <laughs> but I mean, that also shows, I guess, the talent gap yeah. between Ohio State and everyone else that up to that point in the year, they played their worst game in both of those seasons in the Big Ten Championship game, and they still, like you said, are winning those games by double digits. Right. Now, one thing about Indiana, though, and it doesn't get much easier. You get Idaho next week, and good for them. Because that is a get-right game. Watch out for the fighting Luke Fickles. Yeah, I was going to say, dude, gonna those Bearcats. Game. And they look good. I know Miami of Ohio is not necessarily a juggernaut football program, but they looked really good yesterday. And with that South Bend matchup and the Indiana matchup, if Cincinnati is able to win both of those, no, it's a Big Ten pod, but if they're able to win both of those, Cincinnati could make the playoffs if they run the table. And, I mean, how often do you see a group of five team actually have a realistic path? Never. It doesn't happen. So, and I guess their biggest concern, too, is they need Indiana to start winning football games. Yeah. 
because they, they can't afford Indiana to be the six and six Indianas of old. Yeah, and and here's a a stretch of games for Indiana once they start. I know it was a conference game week week one, but like actually start conference play every week. They go to Penn State. They play at home against a it looked like much improved Michigan State team. They play at home against Ohio State. Oh wow, we I skipped on Friday, so we'll have to go to the Northwestern game after that. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, they play at home against Ohio State. They play on the road at Maryland, who we just watched beat a Power 5 West Virginia school. Mm -hmm. They go to Michigan, and then they finish it up with what looks to be a much-improved Rutgers team. I mean, that's a a six-game stretch that, I mean, obviously is going to make or break their season, really. You're completely right, and I don't, I guess, have the confidence now that I did, but I guess 24 hours ago when we were doing this. I don't know who I would pick in... The Indiana at Michigan game. Like, I don't know who I would pick. I honestly think I would. Based on the of yesterday, who do you think you should pick? I mean, you're right. Who you think you should pick, you should pick Michigan. I guess we have to, I mean, Michigan too, we didn't talk about it earlier. We still have to see their corners to actually yeah. get tested. Yeah. Because Western Michigan, I mean, they're not exactly a, a team that's going to be able to throw the ball on too many teams this year. That part scares me because I do think Indiana matches well, up well in that regard. I wouldn't be shocked at all if Michigan does end up playing that game and winning. And that was something I don't think that at least I expected no. before yesterday to even no. be a possibility. No. And and that's not we're not going to overreact to week one. I mean, teams are going to improve. The difference between week one and week two is huge. Teams make a huge improvement between those two weeks. Like getting that first game in and getting all those reps and, and then watching the film and seeing what needs to be corrected, you get a huge jump between the first two weeks. So, well, and I think that this goes back to the conference games being week one too. It's something we haven't seen before. Yeah, usually you know we're playing Bowling Green week one, and you know they're winning fifty to nothing. It's a glorified scrimmage. Yes. And these teams now they know each other going into it, very familiar. And then you also have that extra bit of I guess significance to the game. That if you are trying to compete for a Big Ten East title, if you're Indiana, you have to win and survive. It didn't happen. Iowa, on the other hand, they look like they're in the driver's seat now because Wisconsin struggled. Yeah. And even if Iowa loses to Wisconsin, Wisconsin lost any kind of error space that they had, mm-hmm. and it's completely gone. So that'll be just something that I'm going to be really intrigued to see if Indiana does completely fall off a cliff or if they're able to at least right the ship a little. Now, I skipped this earlier because I'm an idiot. Northwestern and Michigan State played on Friday night, and they made us all look dumb. Yeah, wow. Can I I mean, if there's one thing you can say, Kenneth Walker III was nasty on Friday. I think he had 264 yards, four touchdowns on 23 carries. I mean, this was another one of those situations. The first play from scrimmage, Kenneth Walker III has a 75-yard touchdown run. We were really high in the prospect of Pat Fitzgerald being able to get this team in defense up to not I, I didn't think Michigan State first one. Don't get me wrong, their passing offense, Peyton Thorne wasn't great in this game, but he didn't have to be. Yeah. And when you're playing a team like again, a division team early or I guess it's not division, it should be because they play each other every year. But you play a conference team, you have played six years in a row. You're very familiar with one another. You just want to survive and get out with a win. And credit to Mel Tucker. I mean, this is back-to-back years now. He's, I mean, out-dueled Pat Fitzgerald in both of these games. Yeah, and honestly, I, th- I think there should be a lot of optimism around the Michigan State program. 
And maybe not necessarily, like, they'll be improved this year. I, we can tell that from week one. For sure. Um, their record may not end up great at the end of the year. But with the way they're recruiting, and especially hitting the transfer portal, Michigan State fans should be should be excited about next year, or two years from now, or even three years from now, especially with the way they're attacking in-state recruiting. I mean, they're pulling guys, I mean, Michigan is looking at, and that is a huge, huge win for them in that area. Well, it's not something I feel like we've really seen ever. You guys are recruiting people, but I would just say, I mean, the fact that they've been a little brother, with the exception of those few years with Mark D'Antonio, it's always been Michigan State. If they want a guy, if they really want a guy, it's going to be theirs. All of a sudden, it really doesn't feel like that. It feels kind of like a 50-50 toss-up with these two teams. Yeah, that's for sure. And I don't know, Michigan State, you know, they play Miami, Florida in, in, in two weeks. So that'll be an interesting test for them. Obviously, Miami didn't look good. And you remember on that preview show, I called Michigan State to win that game. You did, yeah, you did. Who knows? Who knows? That that could all that could all of a sudden be an interesting game. Maybe Michigan State goes down there and gets a dub, and that would just be huge, huge for their season. And Miami didn't exactly look like world no. beaters by any means. Oh lord! <laughs> and and it, that's funny too because we did have naturally we don't only have the Big Ten games on. So we have the Alabama game on the regular TV. I mean, I feel like that game could have been a hundred to nothing if Saban wanted it to be. I mean, I was, that I was brutal. I was begging Casey and Wall to let me change the damn channel. I did not want to watch. It was already, you know, they were already up huge. I didn't want to watch it anymore. They wouldn't let me change it. I couldn't help. It's one of those things that Casey's like it too. He's in the bathroom, so he'll be right back. But it's one of those things that I just like to see that elite level football whenever you can. And my gosh, Alabama, they don't look like they missed a beat yet again. No, that's scary Shout for out us. Jameson Williams for a huge, God, that was like a that was like a ninety-five yard touchdown. Yeah, right after what this should be or potential safety call yeah, that yeah, wasn't called. Yeah, yeah, Miami maybe had a chance for you know, a defensive score. Make it look like a football game for a second. No, ninety-five yard touchdown. Yeah, twenty-seven to five. Blink your eyes. Actually, it's thirty-four to three. Yeah, that quickly. <laughs> we'll hop over now to the seemingly Big Twelve beaters of world. Maryland Terrapins beat West Virginia 30-24 to on Saturday in the afternoon slate. And I know that it was a six-point game, but they their defense, and this is Maryland we're talking about, Maryland's defense, I think, really dominated a very typically high-scoring offense out of West Virginia. They forced four turnovers. They forced four turnovers. And, I mean, what, they gave up, I want to say, last I saw it, somewhere around 300 yards in the game. 319 total yards for West Virginia in that game. Not what I expected to say going on this show, that Maryland, of all teams, their defense won them this game. No, what, they had basically four, well, yeah, 495 yards on offense, too. So their offense played well. The score really didn't reflect it. They had a long kickoff return that realistically kept them in the game early on. I want to say Maryland got up either 7 or 10 points, and it started feeling like they might uh, pull away. Yeah, it was 17-7 to seven at uh, halftime. That's right. And had that not happened, we would have been looking at a very different story. Wait, was it 17-7.5? No, it was 17-7 in the first quarter. I'm sorry. No, yeah, I was just saying, I knew it was just a slip of the tongue. But the one thing, and I know this has no bearing on anything else, the over not hitting on that last run. Oh, God, that was brutal. That was criminal. That was brutal. We were talking about that. They're going to bust one. We're just They're willing it to happen. They're gonna, and, then, and then the guy gets it, bursts through the hole. He's going down the sideline. We're like, yes, yes. Oh, he got. I'm like, my guy's got to oh, make a move. Come on, man. or get out of bounds or something, so they have to run offensive plays still. 
God. Oh, uh, it was. Just, it wasn't. And then West Virginia even called a timeout with like 15 seconds left. Yeah, I'd throw it. I'd throw it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, come on, they're trying to make you look bad. Let's get in the end zone here. But no, dude, this Maryland team and credit to also to, to his, his brother, to his little bro. Exactly, Talia to Talia Talit to Tagovailoa. Talia Tag. It's hard with Talia. Yeah. I don't know why. Talia Tagovailoa. Talia Tagovailoa. There you go. There we go. Wow. See, it's easy when you say Tua Tagovailoa, but for whatever reason, like, the phonetics are not there for me with Talia Tagovailoa. Yeah. It, like, brain... Like, Casey was just talking Tua all day. Yeah, he's just like, hey, that's Tua. I'm like, all right, well, I guess that works for it. <laughs> but he looked great. The offense looked good. I don't know if this is a sign Raheem of things Jarrett's to come. Gonna be a problem. He is going to be a problem. I mean, it's not, he's not going to be. He is, he a, is problem. a problem. He already is a problem. He, he is good. Well, and I don't know how much... I don't want to overreact like I've been doing for negatively. And I don't want to make all of a sudden Maryland look like this team is going to go 9-3. Like and three. Virginia's defense was full of all-league players, you know? And but we've also seen this... optimism. And we've also seen this from Maryland in the past, too, where, I mean, they beat Texas back-to-back years, what I want to say, in 18 and 19. Something like that. And they did similar things. They were moving the ball at will. Their defense looked pretty good at times. And then they get into Big Ten play, and they lose to teams like Minnesota, like 45-44. Or, I can't remember, maybe I got that mixed up. But either way, the defense wasn't great. And then they'll play other teams, like the Ohio States of the world, and they'll get beat like 50-3. to I don't want to overreact, but in the moment right now, they should be excited in College Park, because this is at least a bit of a pulse that I don't know if you got to see towards the tail end of last year. And they do get a pass. 2020, you get a pass. But I'd be excited if I'm a Terps fan. Yeah, yeah, and they have their next three games are very winnable games before they they get Iowa at home. So they, they could be four and zero when they play Iowa at home, and that all of a sudden it looks like a football game. It looks like a football game. In Iowa, they are obviously so good, but Maryland at least has a little bit of speed on the offense that potentially could, could give them some problems. And if it does. We have to figure out still if Iowa's offense is going to be able to keep up with teams like that. Because yep. what, like we said, they they basically beat offensively Indiana twenty to six yesterday. Indiana's defense is good, but we'll see. So that could be fun. I'm glad that you brought that up. Oh, and then we'll get into our two night games yeah, here. Two nightcaps. Purdue hosted. Get yeah, notice how I said hosted here because I was saying they were in Corvallis for the last week. My Boilermakers, baby. Boiler up. They win. 30-21, to 21, and you want to talk about games with spreads and, and covering late. Casey and Hayden got to celebrate watching me just want to cry. Melt. He melted. Yes, I was demoralized. If there was a game that sucked my will to live, it was that one. I had Oregon State money line covering, and I had, what I want to say, the under, or the whichever it ended up being. So I would go 0-3 in that game, and that touchdown The under hit easily. Okay, the under hit easily. The, I, un, the, the total in that game was 68, and okay. they scored 51 points. Well, they were due. I just say, yeah, that's all it was. I, Corvallis, the turf runs fast in Corvallis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, Purdue, you want to talk about a guy we, going into the year, we put him on the hot seat with Jeff Braum. That was a hell of a game. And you even, we got to see that, what, trick field goal, fake field goal that didn't work, but it did. Yeah. It turned into a pick, but it was a great call. You could tell he's coaching for his life right now. Team looked like they reflected that. And good for him. I hopefully... Over there in West Lafayette, they have good things to come. Who do they have next? Do you have that up? They, yeah, they they have UConn, who might be one of the worst FBS wow. programs yeah. in 
Just lost College. the Holy Cross. Yeah, like yes, they right. they should easily, easily win. Yeah, when you say Holy Cross beat UConn, you're uh, like, wow, that's a big upset. The, they were only given two and a half points. The the ESPN matchup predictor gives them a ninety seven percent chance to win that game. So. Purdue getting the uh, <laughs> yeah. what the Alabama treatment. The Alabama yeah. treatment. Yeah, I mean they should wipe the floor with them. But then they go to Notre Dame. Could be interesting. They play Notre Dame in two weeks. And it's in-state, too. I mean, I, I that does add a little bit of an element, I'm sure. Notre Dame's significantly better. They should win that game yes. without too much problems. But hopefully Purdue can at least be competitive in it, give you hope that there are, what, positive steps coming. David Bell looked good last night. Eight receptions for 134 yards. Um, this Durham, good. <laughs> this Durham boy, though, I don't know who that is. Payne Durham. Tight end, it looks like. Yep. 6'5", 255. Yeah, well, definitely the tight end. I ran around, what, running down the field while watching my spread yeah. die before my oh, eyes with two and a half right. minutes to go. That yeah, was awesome. you're so right. That was great. Yes. That was amazing. I still get upset with the fact that, oh, wow, cramp, cramp, cramp. Oh, oh. Oh, Lord, he got a cramp in his calf. Oh, that's good for the, oh, that's good for the podcast. Stand up. Stand up. No, I'm just still upset. I'm still upset that Jack Plummer's not, oh, my gosh. Jake Plummer's son. That feels like it should be. <laughs> oh, go, go, Boiler Acres. Boiler up. Yeah. Oh. You all right, my dude? I feel great. I feel great. <laughs> this is this is the fun part about podcasting after what we did yesterday. Oh. We'll you have to definitely do this again. Need yeah, I need water, I need yeah. some quality H two O right now. All right, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. But that does, that's a perfect, I don't know why that's perfect, but it feels right that that's right before the last game because I don't know how much more I can do. Oh, God. <laughs> what, Illinois? Oh, my damn Illini. We, you know, we try so hard oh. to, we said nice things for them all week. They beat Nebraska. We're like, maybe they're turning the corner. And it was that same thing we worried about, that you got that big win against Nebraska. Could you turn around and beat UTSA at home? It's a night game, too. You don't get a lot of night games in Champaign. Yeah. I should have never trusted Illinois. To <sighs> I don't think any of us. I should got them at four and a half, and absolutely ridiculous as they lose that game. I picked them to win by eighteen. I mean, what am I doing? You at least called it though. You said they're gonna lose outright, or they win by double digits. There's no in between. <laughs> well, and then what? The way that game ended too was painful. Because Arter Sikowski throws the ball, it looks like five yards out of bounds. You can tell right when oh, it left yeah. his hand. Right it was long. literally right when it left his hand. And, like, <laughs> and then he caught it, too. It yeah. just added insult yeah. to injury. I'm like, I hate this game. This sucks. Yeah. It, that's another one of those teams, though. I don't know what they have coming up, but you got to imagine Illinois, that Nebraska win's not going to exactly age well. Oh, Nebra- God. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's just... Maybe we were a little bit too excited after week zero. They, they play your, your boy next week. Wisconsin? No, they play at Virginia next week. Oh, that's right, oh, Drew yeah. Meyer. Yeah. Have to reach out and see if we can talk, what potentially get him on either before or after that week. <sighs> that would be fun. This week. Which um, Virginia is one and zero. Of course they are. They Wahoo! Beat William and Mary, forty-three to nothing. Juggernaut. Yeah. They're the. They're, I was gonna say you beat the tribe. You got to feel good about it. They kicked a twenty-five yard field goal. Okay. And then I, I don't know. I was trying to look at punting stuff, but I can't see. If it. you couldn't tell, we did not see the Virginia game. <laughs> we will be seeing the Virginia Illinois game, so don't worry about that. Yeah, there was a, this was kind of it was just one of those games that was disappointing because oh, here we go. Punting stats, punting stats. Oh, perfect for our, for our boy. 
Virginia had two punts, 90 total yards, 45 Oh, 45. Yards, along of 52. Let's go. inside the 20? Yeah, that 38 was probably. I'm just going to say it was so yeah. that they can't. Oh, yeah, they're definitely. no. That's fine. Well, you kick it 52 it was a yards glitch. and you're not inside the 20. That means you're punting from pretty far back. So For sure. I was thinking of the other one that was probably a 38 if the average. But that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. fine. No, but yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can get him on. But this was the game that, or the thing that was frustrating about this game to me was you finally, like we were talking about the direction that we see and feel that Bielma's got this team going and they probably still are going to have the growing pain. So like this isn't an indictment yeah. on Bielma, but it makes you wonder again though, how high could a ceiling at Illinois really be right. if we're losing at home to UTSA in week two? And we're calling that like a letdown game you could lose. Right. Coming off of what seemed to be like a pretty big win for the program. Just very disappointing. I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm overreacting, but it feels like a lot of the good that you just had done in the Nebraska game. It really did. But. Well, guys, hey, dude, this was fun. We'll definitely have to do this again, hopefully. It's much easier in person. It's so much fun in person, too. So we'll definitely we'll, we'll see you guys later this week when we're doing our preview show. It's kind of going to be more of the traditional style, but we wanted to get our recap out there today. Ooh, ooh, send us Ask CHW questions. Oh, yeah, and Especially that's right. if you if you have any ideas for, or any questions, you know, just anything really about anything uh, the next week or the previous week or whatever whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, I mean. Let us know. We're not even, you can ask us about anything, too. You want to ask what, uh. Well, about Casey's pedicure, he's got to get going on to fix a hangnail or something like that. We'll be answering it. Ingrown. Ingrown. I apologize. Hey, I, there's no shame. Hey, I'm going home and I'm putting my face mask on today. I'm going to smile about it's it. Glorious. Hey, I'm not ashamed that I get pedicure. I ain't knocking you at he all. Does too. He knows. Yeah. I've, I've look at it. Look at this group of three right here. I, I'm gonna go home with my face mask while you guys are getting mani pedis. I say probably once, nah, no once manis. twice a year. <laughs> hey, manis. No, that ain't that ain't for us. Twice a year. Twice a year pedicure. See, I haven't done it. I, it's something about feet. I don't like people touching my feet or. That's the two time of the years that Hayden gets his toenails clipped. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that's a that's a good way to end it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you guys later this week or what? Yep. Week two preview. Oh, in episode 20. 20. We're 20, 20 episodes in. All right. You guys have a great week.